from Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 151. Today's show is brought to you by Text Expander, Pingdom, and Jet. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hello, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm doing fine. But nobody wants to know because it's hashtag Snell Talk time. <laughs> and today's Snell Talk question comes from Kathy. Kathy would like to know, Jason, do you prefer lasers or fireworks? Wow. Now this is a question for the ages. Mm-hmm. I There are so many ways you could break this down. I feel like this is dangerously close to being an episode of Robot or Not. Yep. I get lots of Robot or Not style questions that I don't use for this. Just <laughs> FYI. <laughs> I so lasers my experience with lasers is not particularly great it is the plot of it, lasers figure prominently in the plot of one of my favorite movies real genius lasers are a fun toy uh, to play with my cat where he chases the laser pointer around and um lasers are fun in a laser show although I've only ever been to a couple of laser shows in my life whereas I see fireworks all the time in fact we just saw fireworks um last weekend not this this one that just happened but the one before when we were in san diego because it was fireworks night at the uh at the ballpark and we saw some fireworks so i gotta say i think i prefer i think i prefer fireworks even though fireworks have loud noises and sometimes loud noises can be bothersome but they're pretty and i prefer them i think maybe more because they're more readily available as a pretty uh a spectacle so i think i'm gonna have to go fireworks if I if I really preferred truly preferred lasers, I would go to more laser shows, and I don't. So I think I have to answer fireworks. Is it time to retire the Ask Upgrade lasers in favor of Ask Upgrade fireworks? No, I think to every every tool has its proper job, and I right. believe that lasers are. Oh, you know what? She probably means iMessage uh, effects, doesn't she? Lasers you know all what? the way. Then there's no, there was no uh, explanation. It was purely, <laughs> do you prefer lasers or fireworks? Is the question. On on iMessage, I prefer lasers. The lasers of course, I do because sent with one. lasers is the best. Yeah. Because you see, in reality, fireworks are available using this sort of technology, and lasers are available using this sort of technology. In iMessage, all you have to do is say, "Lasers, give me some lasers." Let's be honest. If we, if you could just conjure up lasers by saying, you know, lasers. Yep. We'd all do that. We and would all goes, do that. Yeah, you know, that's what you want. I know, right? Okay, so I think that's maybe what Kathy meant, but instead we gave her the uh, more broad real-world definition, which is fireworks, because, you know, they're more readily available than lasers. It's hard, hard to get a laser. Unless you're an evil supervillain. Unless you're a supervillain. I was going to say it, too, and then I decided not to say it, and you said it anyway. So there we go. You can always rely on me, Snow. I would love a supervillain to try and uh, uh, destroy the world with fireworks. <laughs> the fireworks <laughs> will dazzle them, and while they are distracted, I will something like that. I don't know. Shoot them with a laser. If you'd like to send in your questions to open the show, just use the hashtag SnellTalk. As you've probably learned by now, it can be about literally anything. Yeah. No submission too stupid. <laughs> Unless you're asking me to, to ask Jason a robot or not style question, because... Uh, I don't do those. If you don't know what Robot or Not is, I'll put a link in the show notes. Excellent. You have some follow-up for us. Uh, A little bit. So we talked about my cellular iPad adventures last time and how even though I'd extolled the virtues of the flexibility of the cellular iPad, it wasn't until I added my own iPad to our family plan that I, I felt like completely free. I did have one piece of feedback from somebody who said, 
<laughs> when I said, you know, I, te- I, I, I could tether, but I just never did because I never wanted to go through that. Um, and I, I did have one person say, no, it's fine. Like okay, well, good, good feedback. Yeah. It's fine for fine for some, it's, but it's it wasn't for, fine it for is. me. I mean, I get it. Like it's for some people, that's what they want to do, and it works for them. But like, right? I I've never found it to work in the way that I want a hundred percent of the time. While while the cell does, you know, yeah, it's a little it's a little fiddly. Um, it can be unreliable. Sometimes it works fine. What I can tell you is, if I'm sitting in a car as a passenger, and we're driving down the freeway. And I have the option of checking Twitter and Slack on my phone or on my iPad. And I would have to tether to do it on my iPad. I'm never going to do that. But what I discovered is when I can just pull out the iPad and it works because it's got its own cellular connection. Yeah. Yeah. I actually do that. I pull out the iPad instead because I prefer to use the iPad in that scenario. Yeah. And that's the difference here. So, so that was one thing was, you know, yes, I'm not saying that people who tether are bad. I'm just saying that there is a little bit of a barrier there and that was enough for me. Um, also, we went down into this pit of sort of like what the Apple SIM does in various carriers in the U.S. And just suffice it to say that it, it it's uh, there are lots of complications there. We heard from people who said that it sounds like Verizon just doesn't support it. Um, if you buy an iPad at an AT&T store, the Apple SIM is locked to AT&T, but not if you buy it in an Apple store. It sounds like there are differences in terms of the software SIM that's in the device, which you can't remove because it's a virtual SIM, or the hardware SIM, which is the one that I believe AT&T will lock if you attach an Apple SIM, uh, hardware SIM, it basically is like, okay, we own this SIM now. If you want another carrier, get a different SIM. But, you know, the point is there are complications here, at least in the US, and it's uh, kind of annoying. But for me, what I ended up doing was having my carrier send me for free a, uh, a SIM to put in my iPad. And then all I had to do was pop it in and it was already associated with my account and it was not a problem. And so that was the easiest thing for me to do. But um, that also means that the internal Apple SIM in that iPad is still available for roaming or, you know, applying to some other carrier. And so, so that's good, too. And then I got a nice piece of email from listener Erling who wrote in to say um, one important feature of the cellular iPad that we didn't mention is that it also has GPS and uh, Erling is a uh, is a private pilot and uses an app to make flight plan plans and use GPS in the air. It's called AirNav Pro. And the great thing about the iPad Pro with cellular is that it's got GPS, and uh, and that's true. That that is true. It is going to give you a more uh, exact uh, location signal because of that. So thank you to to Erling and to everybody else who wrote in about ipads and cellular whoa these i mean as i expected i mean i'm assuming this application air navigation pro right that is what i'm assuming it is just from googling yeah uh it is it's 50 pounds to get in the door so it's probably around 50 dollars and then there are a bunch of like 25 26 pound in-app purchases (laughs) for a bunch Uh of things i mean this is it makes sense right like that's what you would expect for an application like this but you know i just see stuff like that and i think it's it's kind of funny in a way it even has an apple watch app yeah it's got all your charts and stuff in it too this is like because i remember because my dad my dad was a private pilot my dad actually used to commute i did not know that by yes used to commute by plane um at one point in his career and um, 
the and this uh he had like big stacks i remember when i was a little kid uh stacks of like charts and maps and things like that and this is all like in a computer or something that is so cool Jason, I have some follow-up for you in regards to to-do lists and applications and such. Uh, Jack wrote in to say that Things 3 seems to have a feature that Jason might want for his new amazing to-do system. So Things 3... Oh my god, I'm struggling with that one. Uh, Things 3 is what my brain is attempting to say. Things 3, it uh, lets you set different dates and deadlines for a project. So you can be notified about something a few days before it's actually set to be done. I think Things 2 does this too. I actually have Things version 2 because that was one of the uh, to-do lists that I uh, used in a previous attempt to do this. Mm-hmm. So we did hear from a bunch of people saying, hey, here's an app that does this thing. I did. I heard, heard from a couple of nice people who said, but oh, OmniFocus will let you do all of those things. And, and um, I appreciate everybody being helpful. I will say that the... Um, questions about the details of the features of all of the available to-do list apps and which one is best um, do not really help me with my feelings that this is a bottomless pit of time-wasting that is not going to help me do my job better. So I'm trying to keep as light a touch. My point is, it's not you, it's me. I'm trying to keep as light a touch as possible on this and do as little investment into investigation and you know everything as possible because I don't want to waste my time researching to do apps and then find that I just, they don't stick because I used things to for a while. It didn't stick. Um, I, I found it not helpful for my workflow and that may also happen with Todoist and if it does it's not the app again as much as it is me if I find it incredibly useful and I stick with the to-do list lifestyle into the future then perhaps I will um, shop around a little bit more to try and address some of the uh, the weaknesses that I found in Todoist in terms of how I how I do things but um, I do have things too still on my Mac it still runs so I may uh, play with that too at some point down the road. We'll see. But I'm trying very hard to spend as little time as possible on this. I want the lightest touch possible because the more work I put into it, the more I'm going to abandon it, basically. that's the, the, the short version of my to-do list philosophy is if it requires a lot of effort to maintain my to-do list, the to-do list is gone. So, yeah. I think that that is completely fair. I think it's a good approach. I think it's the best approach. So we'll see. I want to talk about an update to one of my favorite iOS apps, Jason, which okay. is Carrot Weather. Ah, uh, yes. So Carrot Weather had a pretty big update um, over the last week, uh, and they added a bunch of features that I think could be interesting to people. So you can now use Weather Underground data in Carrot Weather. But it's currently has only been using uh-huh. Dark Sky. But if you're uh, like a one of the, they have like an in-app subscription model thing if you're one of the subscribers mm-hmm. you can use weather underground data which i thought might be of interest to you jason um because i know that you're reliant on weather underground data right because of your um your personal yeah. what is it called uh, weather, weather station. station that's it i um the only thing that i can't i, I have to actually ask the carrot people because i actually i bought this this week cool um is I want to be able to specify my weather station as the source, and I don't think it lets me do that. It wants to just say my town. So I'm going to write to them and cool. ask if they can make it so that if I put in like the weather underground code for my weather station instead of my location, if it will let just pull the data right from there for uh, current 
temperatures and stuff. Because as I've explained on previous shows, this isn't like my my temperature is better than their temperature. It's the fact that in a lot of cases, um, the weather data for my town is based on a town near me. And I happen to live on a pretty dramatic temperature gradient where there are days when it's 65 degrees here and a weather app will say, oh, it's 78 it's like, no, it's not. It's really not. And that's because they're taking it from the next town up and the next town up is sunny and we have fog. So my weather station tells me what the actual temperature is. I'd like to put that on my watch and on, on my phone. So I got to check in with them on that. But I did I did buy it and uh, it's very good. Mm-hmm. And I uh, used their in-app purchase to get their uh, Super President's premium fancy mm-hmm. subscription data thingy because I was excited about that too. Um, you the, the, All of the Kara apps have like... Um character in them like an evil ai character uh this is something that a lot of people like and a lot of people don't like and they've added the ability which i think is good because it is a it's, i think i can see how it is a polarizing feature to have this like comical cartoonish like character that that lives inside of the application and, and gives you crap uh, you can now turn off the AI, ai character and actually adjust the snarkiness level so you mm-hmm. can have it be nicer or more mean to you if you want to which i think is a good way to do it. it's a good way to handle it and they refresh the ui in general so it shows significantly more data um on the screen and with loads of customization options as well. So you can say, like, if you want to know what the like the chance of rain is, or you want to know what the wind is, or you want to know um, what the feels-like temperature is, as well as accurate temperature, you can add all of that in. And you can also customize all of this stuff in their Apple Watch app, which I maintain is, I think, the very best Apple Watch app that I have used. It always loads quickly. The data is presented so well. Um, I use that Apple Watch app constantly, and they use the complication, because you can also customize the complication as well to have what you want on it. And I've changed it now to feels like temperature, because that's the one that's more important to me when I'm looking for what the temperature is. So, yeah, I just wanted to just give a little plug for Carrot Weather, because I think it's so awesome. I've been using it for a long time, and they've had a great update, which I think is worthwhile to check out. So I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, the Carrot Weather app on the App Store. If you're interested, go check it out. All right. Pretty good. Uh, Next up today, uh, just a quick mention of something. Apple has a machine learning blog now. Well, they call it a journal. Um, (laughs) Sure. I'm not 100% sure what the difference is between a a journal and a blog, but Apple have made it clear that it is the Apple machine learning journal. Um, This is at machinelearning.apple.com, and it is a place where Apple's engineers are going to publish information about their work and research. Now, they're also quite clearly in their kind of their opening journal entry, uh, asking for feedback from from researchers, students, engineers, and developers. So, I was kind of wondering, what does this tell us? Um, I think it's I think it says two different things, Jason. I think one. Apple is trying to position themselves here as a significant player in this field, in the machine learning field. And from what I understand about um, technologies like this, to kind of be seen as uh, significant, you have to publish and share research with the community. And from everything that I understand, Apple's actually been sending people to conferences about this stuff in recent times as well. Like this is a thing that you should be doing if this is something you want to be seen as being a part of, right? So Yep. It's uh interesting cuz it's not <laughs> it's not research, right? Like it's not they're not going to be publishing their research here. This is not what that's for, but it is like 
this is we have talked about this before. This is the battle uh, that Apple faces in some cases, where, where a lot of these people are in academia, they're PhDs. What they don't want to do is disappear from existence when they go work at Apple. They need to be able to publish. And I think it benefits Apple for them to be able to communicate like all the amazing things. It's basically a kind of PR in a way, which is all the amazing things. Look, we are working on this. Look, mm-hmm. we do have experts. We know what we're doing. And that's kind of the the message that's being sent here. Um, I also think, you know, as well, it's another sign of uh, Tim Cook's wonderfully opposing ideals at Apple of more secrecy and more openness. You know, like <laughs> he's done both of these things. And this is another part of the openness, right? Well, they're, it's they're willing products- to share. They're doubling down on product secrecy, right? But this is a little bit different in terms yeah, of I'm mostly being, openness making a about. Dumb joke, I'm just trying. I'm trying to, but I'm trying to pick it apart here because, like, like, how do you justify being secret and open? And I think it's like they're not going to tell you about particular products. And you know, here's another way to think of it: Apple has always treated, or almost always treated, uh, their products as black boxes. Like that's part of the magic trick. It's like, how does it work? Nobody knows, but it's magic. It's great. And it seems like the way that Apple's defining it a little bit more specifically now is um, some of the stuff you need to know how it works because you need to feel confident in why it does what it does and that it's not doing something creepy. And so you make some of the Apple product, like how they work stuff, more transparent and you disclose that. But you're not taking away from having surprises, this feature that you didn't expect. This phone has these features and you didn't know until we announced it. That That's the dream for Apple. So it is an interesting way to kind of pick that apart, I think, about um what what do you disclose and what do you not? Because back in the days, if Steve Jobs had his druthers, right, it would be like literally, here's a phone you never, or, or any other product, you've never heard of it, you've never seen it before, um, it does amazing things, What? and then we would be like, well, so how does it do that? And the answer would be, it does it, it's great, isn't it? And then they, that would be it. Like, we're not going to explain how we do what we do or what's inside, just it works and that's it. And in some of these categories today, you can't. You can't do that, right? In terms of security and privacy, what's being synced to the cloud, stuff like that, you got to talk about it. And I think the, the this kind of is connected to that too. So, you know, I, I, I can see why they're doing it, but it is funny because pe- it's Apple. So people will be picking apart every post on the machine learning blog or journal or whatever it is to uh, write inflammatory stories about how this obviously means that Apple is coming up with X, right? Mm-hmm. That's still going to happen. So, yes. you know, you can't win. Hey Mike, have you seen the um, the Rock and uh, Siri video? Even though this is completely within my wheelhouse, because yeah, I know you know I have for many years smelled what the Rock was cooking. Uh huh. I haven't actually watched this ad yet uh, because it came out this morning and I have been slammed today, and it wasn't in our show document, so I assumed that we just weren't going to talk about it. So I have not yet watched the Rock Siri ad. Mike hasn't seen it. This is, you know, the whole reason that Mike at the movies exists is because Mike hasn't seen things. All right, it's it's cute. It's a uh, it's a you know three minute long uh, video about how The Rock has a very busy day where he goes around. No spoilers, and Jason. I haven't him, seen gives him it information. Yet. Okay, I'll I'll give you a little teaser, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, you do get to uh, smell what The Rock is cooking. I would be really upset if they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah anyway it's cute it's um it's uh it's meant to show like here are some things that siri can do and it shows that and uh and uh yes people should enjoy it it's out there you can check it out at apple's youtube page and uh, i thought it was fun i watched it last night before i went to bed and uh because they posted it late last night 
And uh, yeah, I thought it was cute. I didn't think it was annoying at all. I think The Rock is a, I mean, obviously Dwayne Johnson has been um, successful because he's a pretty likable character mm-hmm. and he manages to be both like a big, a big, tough, strong guy and also be kind of self-deprecating and able to be silly and all of those things that make him kind of a, a winning performer. And uh, it all comes out in the ad. It's a, it's a, uh, I think it's a funny, silly little thing. So we we don't usually do ad watch here, but I thought, you no. know, wrestling connection, I would ask. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I You know what? We're probably going to talk about it on Connected because... Oh, good. We well, we'll time. forward promote for another show on the network then. Yeah. yeah. You guys can break break it down. You can break down all the... Uh, that'll be good too because like I, I imagine like Federico um, and Steven breaking down all the things that Siri does in the ad that it doesn't actually mm-hmm. do. <laughs> so, yeah. Sure. I'll just point out, Stephen will do this probably, but uh, I'll point out that there's some space-related things in there that are not really scientifically accurate. Space! Yeah. We're pre-recording an episode in a couple of weeks' time uh, to come out later in August. We've kind of made allusion to this, but... Like, I'm going to be skipping a couple of episodes in August because we're both traveling to different places, but Jason has some exciting guests lined up. I mean, I think, yeah, we spoke on last week's episode that you're going to be recording an episode from the Command D conference. Um, right. So, but we, me and you are recording an episode, which is going to be, as in, in Cortex parlance, an episode out of time. So we're recording it early to be released later in the month. Yes, we're recording it 11 days before it will be released. So considering that this show mostly focuses around what's happening in the news this week, we can't do that because (laughs) we will just be out of date by the the time the episode is released. So we wanted to ask you, the dear listener, is there anything that you would like to hear us talk about which is a little bit more timeless? Maybe there is a segment or a big topic you want us to dive into, or as Jason said, maybe even another draft, uh, because why not? Uh, We love drafts on this show. Um, We do. So, yeah, whatever you want to hear us talk about, send us uh, some tweets and we can uh, we can maybe dive into some of that um, a little later on in the month. So uh, tweet at imyke, I-M-Y-K-E, or at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L, and uh, we'll be able to put those in for consideration. We appreciate your assistance, as always. So, Jason, today, um, after we take a break, we're going to do something that we don't do as much on this show anymore. We're going to talk all about the Mac. We have two topics today. All about the Mac. Isn't that we exciting? Do. Isn't that exciting? We talk about the iPad and iOS a lot on this show, of course, but we don't talk about the Mac as much, and we're all Mac today. Yes, but I'm before, excited about it. Before we do, Jason, we're going to welcome a new sponsor to the show, and that is Jet. Let me tell you about Jet. Jet is a seriously savvy company who partner with retailers to bring you great products at cheaper prices than you'll find elsewhere. The best part? It's all the stuff that you're used to buying anyway. It's not about shopping more at Jet. It's about shopping smarter. Whether you're buying groceries, household items, or even tech products, they can help you save money on the stuff that you're used to buying. Jet are a conscientious company who believe in trust, transparency, and fairness. That is why when you shop with Jet, you will get free shipping on orders of over $35, free returns within 30 days, two-day delivery on thousands of everyday essential items, 24-7 customer service with the JetHead team located in Salt Lake City, and all with no membership or annual fees. So you get all of those benefits without paying an extra price, which is really kind of awesome. Now, Jason Snell, I know that you have been buying products from Jet, and I wanted to know what you thought. 
I am going to tell you, well, it's a very easy buying experience. They have Apple Pay on it as well. So um, it's very easy to do that. It, it's funny, just to give you an idea of the range, I bought, um, so I was looking for uh, address labels for an inkjet printer because I was uh, <laughs> I was mailing out a whole bunch of things. Uh-huh. And it was so hard to find a place that stocked the particular, I needed a very particular kind of address label so that I could do uh, batch mailing of a bunch of stuff for incomparable members, actually. And jet.com had them, and they had them for the by far the best price. So I ordered those there. But just as an example, I also ordered um, detergent. All, uh, all clear and free uh, in a big uh, plastic jug that is the detergent of choice for me, and they had it for a great, pro- great price too. So, um, and and I'm I'm actually right now shopping for uh, maybe uh, some pens, some of my uh, my beloved Pilot G2 uh, gel pens, and they've got those too. They've got a backpack that I'm looking at for my son <laughs> for going back to they school. Have everything <laughs> they I I am trying to stump Jet.com. And I'm failing, is what I'm saying. You can start saving on those everyday products today, and we have a great offer for listeners of this show. You can get 20% off your first two orders of over $35 when you go to Jet.com and use the promo code UPGRADE at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. You can check Jet.com for details. That's J-E-T.com. That's 20% off your first two orders of over $35 when you use the promo code UPGRADE at checkout. Thank you so much to Jet for their support of this show. So last week, um, I saw this pointed out first by Mac Observer that the Mac Mini has reached and has now surpassed 1,000 days, 1,000 days without an update. I also saw yes, I saw a bunch of people tweeting about this, yourself included, Jason, and you mentioned that uh, kind of funnily, the fastest Mac Mini ever made, which was released on October twenty third, two thousand and twelve, uh, is now one thousand seven hundred and twenty three days old. So that's quickly approaching two thousand days, and that's because the most recent, now one thousand day old version of the Mac Mini actually decreased the amount of cores in the processors, right? Is, am I explaining that correctly? Yeah, they, they, there was a quad-core option on the uh, previous Mac Mini. Mm-hmm. And when they, when they updated the Mac Mini a thousand days ago, uh, they removed that because the Intel chipset that was available at the time that they wanted to use didn't support quad-core processors. So um, I believe it is still the case now that it's basically been, whatever, 1,700 days. It's been, whatever that is, what, five years since the fastest Mac Mini still available was released we're just going to apple.com slash Mac right now. Yep, no no new badge, so we're still good on this. Yeah. I want to pose some questions here. Why should Apple invest time and money into the Mac Mini? That's a good question. Like, do you think, Jason, that it actually brings people into the ecosystem in 2017? I do. Because, you know, maybe set the stage a little bit for why the Mac Mini exists as a product, if, if you can. Like why did it? Why did they make it in the first place, and how was it received? So when it was initially released, it was the four ninety nine Mac. It was by far the cheapest Mac ever sold, and it was um, sold as being B Y O K M M K M. I can't remember. Bring it was basically bring your own keyboard, mouse, and display. Yeah, it was like B Y O K M M or B Y O K D K M. 
DKM, DM, yeah, maybe bring your own keyboard display and mouse. It was, it, that was the yeah. jo- that was the tagline, right? That, it was like yeah. the letters. I remember. And that. the idea the idea was going to be um, initially the way it was sold. Maybe this says something that initially they were sort of like, how are we going to sell this thing? And it was a switcher Mac. The idea that you could take your PC if you wanted to switch to the Mac and you could keep Mm -hmm. your keyboard, your mouse and your monitor. And all you had to do was unplug your PC and plug in this Mac mini. And for $4.99, you could could have a Mac. B-Y-O-D-K-M was the official. Display, keyboard and mouse. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then they did an update and they went to Intel and it was $599. I think then at a later date, they brought the base back down to $499. But of course, you can spend more than $1,000 in a Mac Mini if you load it up. And that was that, that option that I talked about. That was the, um, that was the quad core model. That was a, uh, that was a, a, a build-to-order version for a lot more money. And you could put an SSD in and there, there are lots of things that you could do. But they, they updated... Um, they update it infrequently. I mean, that that's the bottom line here is that um, I, the reason I mentioned the um, the fact that it had been 723 days previously between updates is the thousand days between updates is kind of par for the course for the Mac Mini. It's at least in the ballpark. It's a little bit longer than the last one, but the last one was a very, very long update between October 2012 and October 2014. So now it's been three years. It was two years before. This is not a product that gets updated very often because it's not a high priority for Apple. But I do think it has a place in the Mac ecosystem, which is why it's still kicking around. What is the place? Um, Versatility. That's the bottom line. It's like, if you want... And this is the problem. It's like, what's the Mac Mini for? And the answer is, well, it's kind of for everything that you can't use another Mac for, but you want to have a Mac around. I talk to people who use these as servers. Um, They use them as servers in racks. They use them as servers at home. They use them as things attached to their TV. Um, They are uh, as second computers in a house where they've got a monitor laying around. I mean... They don't have, they're, they're used in education, they're used in all sorts of weird places. There's, I'm not sure there's a single good use. I think it's more that by having this product exist, the Mac can fit into places that it otherwise couldn't. If Apple said like, sorry, we only sell iMacs um, and laptops, then the problem there is if there's any use that you need something that is not an iMac or a laptop, you need something small to put somewhere, um, you can't buy a Mac to do it. And so I think the value in the Mac mini is not so much that it has this incredible market that it needs to dominate that, uh, that every, where everybody loves it. I think it's more like it, it, it takes the pressure off the rest of the line and lets Apple fill in the gaps. It's, it's like a, it's like, I don't know, like caulk or spackle or something. It's like, it fills in the holes. It, um, it, it allows the Mac to go broader while letting the individual Macs that are the core of the Mac line be focused. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a utility player and that is boring <laughs> and it, it, it's just never going to be exciting necessarily, but it's good that it exists because it gives them an answer that they can point to and say, yeah, you can use the Mac mini for that. I've owned two and a half Mac minis in my life. Um, and the first two were, me trying to get a, a desktop Mac at the cheapest price possible. You know, like having moved between like having an iMac and then I kind of moved to the laptop but then wanted desktop Macs and I had a couple of Mac minis. Um, 
Well, I say a half because uh, we own a Mac Mini at Relay FM, which is actually how, if you're listening to this show live, you're listening to it because we have a Mac Mini at Mac Stadium, and they they host it there. So we you know we use it as a server and we use it to do all of our live broadcasts. Um, that, that so they're great for that sort of stuff, right? Maybe people that are trying to get into the Mac ecosystem, as we mentioned, that as you said, the versatility because they allow you to do these weird and wonderful things. I'm just wondering, like, with the entry point position now, do people not consider this the laptop? Like, I know, you know, if you're looking at a pure price situation, the Mac Mini can be good if you already have other elements to plug it into. But I don't, I just don't know if in 2017, the Mac Mini is a product that a lot of people want, especially to be their maybe first computer or their primary computer. I don't know. I mean, it's. A, it, I don't think the Mac Mini is going to be the answer to what a lot of people want at all, mm-hmm. right? A, a lot of people want is not the issue with the Mac Mini. It's some people in various places want for various reasons. I do think if you're somebody who has a spare monitor around and maybe a spare old keyboard, it is a place where you're like, oh, you know... Um, I can I can stick a Mac Mini there, and we've got a family computer, or or my kid can use this computer. That I, it, it lets you use the parts. Whereas with the iMac, it's very much like, do you have room for an iMac with the big iMac display? And then when you're done with it, you you know you've got a big iMac to take somewhere else or get rid of. Um, it, it it's more versatile in that way. But is that a mainstream thing? No, I don't think it is. I think that's the that's the whole point. Is it is an oddball? Because what was it that uh? at that round table event because i know that the apple spoke about like the percentage of desktops to um did it talk about the percentage of desktops in the overall yeah, line yeah i mean they used to um they used to actually talk about that uh release that in its financial in, in the financial information for the company mm-hmm. and they don't do that anymore but you know it has been between uh Two-thirds and three-quarters of all Macs sold have been laptops for quite a while now. The majority of Macs by far are laptops. I'm looking at a transcript of the, of the roundtable event that they did for the Mac Pro um, over at TechCrunch. And they're saying, uh, they were saying, this is Phil Schiller, that it's uh, 80-20 now. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, my, so my you reason go. bringing that up is, can you, I assume it is a very small percentage Oh yeah, these a Mac Pro set, um, a Mac Mini sales. Yeah, right. I assume less than the Mac Certainly. Pro. Even I would, I would, I would expect. Uh, I don't know about that. These have a value that the Mac Pro doesn't. So I think that it, it, it and they're, and they're cheaper. So I'm sure that they have a higher okay. volume than the Mac Pro. Okay. So really, you know, what I'm thinking is, do we not think that there are other devices that maybe fit the needs? Now, like if it's not a laptop, right, that somebody wants, could an iPad not be the simple computer? Could an Apple TV not be the media server? Like what are the what are the blockers there that means the Mac Mini should stick around? Well, I'll tell you, I have a Mac Mini in my house. I'm not going to use an iPad to attach to a hard drive so that I can watch Plex. Mm-hmm. I don't have... And I can't attach my iPad to my weather server. I can't have, you know, any of the things that I use this for, I need a Mac or a PC for. 
That's just the bottom line. And I'm not going to buy a PC, right? That's not my goal to run Windows in my house. I'm, I, I'd rather not if I can avoid that. Well, we'll talk about that in a moment. But <laughs> but there's no other. But there's no other like. So so yes, is the existence of something like an Apple TV or a Roku or an Amazon Fire mean that the idea that you'll attach a Mac Mini to your TV kind of over? Yes, that used to be a big place for the Mac Mini, and that has been subsumed by other things. Um, in terms of an iPad, like yeah, I mean, if you want an iPad, that's great. But again, not not all of these scenarios fit. So I, this is this is my point. See, what what I did at the outset here, Mike, is say. I think the Mac Mini's value is as this thing that just kind of fills in the gaps and that Apple updates every three years or so and uh, has it laying around. And your argument back to me seems to be, but it's not, but it's not popular or mainstream, which I've already granted you. It's not. It, what it does do is it allows Apple to do kind of minimal effort and keep a product floating around that gets everybody off their case about, but the Mac can't do X by saying, well, yeah, it can because the Mac mini will do that. The points that I'm making are in the guise of, will it continue? And, you know, so I see what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying, but my, my questions are in the line of like, the re- are the reasons the Mac Mini exists getting less and less on a yearly basis? Like, the reasons that this computer would be bought and sold, is that decreasing? And if so, sure. does the Mac Mini have a place anymore? The, the reasons the people buy Macs are also decreasing, by the way. So, uh, sure, maybe they shouldn't make Macs anymore. Um, and also about the Mac Mini, I mean, what I'm saying here is that... Uh, it's useful to keep it around at a minimal level because it 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 just it fills in the gaps and it lets them go. I'm not saying um, I'll I'll say on top of that like if if they didn't want to make it anymore they could just not make it and yet they still make it and I'm going to make the same argument I made about the Mac Pro which is at some point they they would get rid of it if they're going to stop making it anymore. As long as they keep selling it, I think the idea is going to be that they'll sell it until it seems completely embarrassing that it hasn't been updated, and then they'll do an update and walk away from it for another three or four years. That seems to be their pattern. They could kill it, but um, I'm again, I'm skeptical because I think they could do a single turn on it and then walk away again for another three or four years. Do you think that that could happen within the next 12 months? Uh, I do. I mean, I think I feel like they're due. I do wonder sometimes about the people who are in charge of making Macs and the fact that they are now scrambling to make a Mac Pro that they didn't think they were going to make after making the iMac Pro. And I, I don't know enough about Apple's internals to say whether that means that any other Mac design that they were working on got set aside so that they could scramble to get a Mac Pro done for next year or not. I don't know that. But I look at at, uh, what's available out there and what the state of the art is in terms of these little modular computers. And there's technology out there today that would make a perfectly suitable Mac Mini, which I mentioned in my Macworld story. And I feel like, you know, it's not as if Apple has to reinvent everything in order to do a new Mac Mini. I think that they could do it. I don't want to say fairly easily because making a new Mac is never easy. None of these projects is as easy as they seem. But if you look at the parallels in terms of hardware that's out there, they take taking standard Intel hardware. I think they could get pretty close uh to having a product fairly quickly if they wanted to do it. And so I think, sure, I think that at some point they're going to, they're going to be able to turn that product around. The question is, um, 
when do they want to bother? Because the fact is the Mac Mini, although it's really old, it for whatever reason, because it's a low-end Mac, it doesn't really feel as painful as the as the Mac Pro did in still being available, even though it's so out of date because that's a cutting edge product and it's very expensive. Whereas this is neither of those things. So you mentioned that there is technology that could be used here. What is that technology? Well, so Intel has been pushing this thing called the new, the nook, which is N U C next unit of computing. And it's basically like a Mac mini. It's a, it's an Intel PC in a box that is kind of the size of an Apple TV um, not quite, but it's close. It's a lot smaller than the Mac Mini, and uh, it's uh, got you know latest generation Intel processors in it, and and room for uh, RAM and an SSD. So it's incredibly small. Um, there, like you can get one for uh, a few hundred dollars. That's got I think it's got four USB ports and a USB C Thunderbolt three port, and um and a headphone jack and you know it's based and a hdmi video out so it's like um could you could there be a small mac that has uh usb-c thunderbolt 3 and even legacy usb ports on it um in a in a, a case way smaller than the current mac mini uh the answer is yes because intel has made something like that now if apple would have to either you know take that chipset um do their magic on it qualify it how they want i mean there are things that they would need to do I, i'm not guessing that they would just take a an intel product off the shelf and rebrand it i mean they would want to make it sort of a special apple kind of thing but clearly this technology exists today to do this and um if you go and price them like how much would it be to get a uh uh, an intel nook with an ssd uh and like a 512 ssd and uh 16 gigs of ram and assemble that yourself versus buying a mac mini that's the current model the three-year-old model with those same specs which means that the processor is two generations older and the answer is the uh the nook would be about 700 750 dollars and that same spec mac mini is over a thousand so in the end like could apple make something like that intel nook product and put their their margins into it and sell it at a price that was essentially what we would expect a uh, a Mac mini to cost. It seems to me like the answer is yes. So it's just a matter of will. Again, do they have the time and do they care enough about the product to do it? But um, what makes me intrigued by this uh, Intel Nook idea is just the fact that um, it would let Apple tell a story about a new Mac mini. Because I think that um, Apple likes to do that. So if Apple said, now you can hold a Mac in the palm of your hand, it's way smaller than the old Mac mini. Look how amazing this is. That is going to make Apple like more excited about a product than if it's, oh yeah, we changed the processors in the Mac mini, but it's the same old Mac mini. So they could do it. It's right there. Like I can see this product and what it would be and, uh, and what it could be priced. And I think it could be interesting for Apple to go that route. Will they? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what their priority is and I don't know what else they're working on on the Mac side right now. Mac Pro, presumably. Yeah, Mac Pro and finishing off the iMac Pro, probably. You sure you got one of these Intel Nooks, right? I did. I bought. I know that it costs seven hundred some dollars because I uh, I bought I bought one um, a Core i five and uh, uh, five twelve SSD and sixteen gigs of RAM and uh, yeah, it's tiny. It's incredibly tiny. And uh, uh, our friend Russell, 
from the Material Podcast did this too. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, and you can get it, you can install Windows right on it and run Windows and that's not a problem. And if you want to descend into madness, you can install, um, you can install Mac OS on it. Did you do that? I don't really recommend that to other people, but uh, yeah, I did it. It worked eventually. So you, you got a Hackintosh. A Hackintosh is back again. A Hackintosh in my hand, Mike. In my hand, in the palm of my hand. Handintosh. It, it is not... I'll write about it at some point. Um, you know, yeah, it's harrowing is the expression I would... The word I would use to describe the uh, Hackintosh process today. It's, they've built some tools to make it easier, but you know, it, it's still like ridiculous and you got to bite the right parts or you have to jump through more hoops and it is not a friendly i was talking to somebody um who's a pretty knowledgeable uh mac person about this and they're like oh i didn't realize it was so complicated like i think there's a perception that like uh, the buying a hackintosh uh mac you know setting up a pc to run mac os is like you run an installer and uh you're done and let me tell you maybe there are some very specific systems where you can do that but my experience with this thing nope (laughs) there's weird software you have to run and weird drivers and some hardware doesn't work right and you know it's not it's a fun science experiment it is not something for regular use but what it what it is allowing me to do is kind of explore like what would it what would it be like if apple made something like this which is sort of why i did it and is this your new media pc we'll see i don't know if it's going to work i I still have some things i have to try out if i if i can if it can drive my um if i can drive my thunderbolt uh server or i guess via usb but i prefer it by thunderbolt if i can get it to drive the server um the 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 big raid and all of that stuff if that can all work i might use it as a replacement for my mac mini server but we'll see um I, i am not gonna believe that it's actually compatible and reliable because it seems like an untrustworthy device but maybe I'll, it'll earn my trust over time and if not i don't i'll probably sell it at that point and i've got a windows installed to put on it so i could just sell it to somebody who wants a pc because it's pretty nifty i gotta say i would be more inclined to to literally build a gaming pc than try and do it to try and make a hackintosh I think you get more out of it for sure. Well, yeah, but I mean, just like in the idea that I really don't want to build a gaming PC, you know, like I just don't want to do that. I really don't want to ever look at the Hackintosh just because it just seems like a like a nightmare. You know, I can remember all this. There was some stuff going around an amount of time ago. This seems to rear its head every now and then. And there's things that you can't you can't send iMessages and stuff. Like it's just like you know, yeah. it's, it, the imagination of running this as your only Mac seems like a real tough thing when i talked to russell about this that's exactly um what he said is you know it doesn't do this doesn't do that it doesn't do this the thing about my server (laughs) doesn't need to do those things like it doesn't it it literally does not i don't need to do airdrop i don't need to you know play uh drm movies on itunes like i don't need any of that i don't need wi-fi on it i don't need bluetooth on it i Mm. literally don't need any of those things so it may end up working for me in that role as a as a dumb uh, mac server it it may not at which point i may end up just surrendering and installing windows 10 on it it does sound like the perfect candidate for a hackintosh 
because a lot of the things that do tend to go wrong, like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and all that sort of stuff, you don't need. So it, exactly. it, it could work. I'm interested to see if this, this goes forward for you. I think, you know, my feeling on the Mac Mini, like, you know, I can pose in arguments to you. I'm trying to get you to talk. I want this thing to exist. You know, like I've owned them. I think it's a nice addition to the line. I think it's a nice thing to keep around, and I hope Apple can find a reason for it. I mean, in its current state, it doesn't really feel like that there is much of a reason other than, well, we've already made some of them. You know, like I'd, I'd love to see them make something like a Mac Mini the size of an Apple TV. That would just be cool, right? Right. And I think, and, and I think yeah. that's part of my argument here is that it would be cool and it would still serve this purpose of letting, um, letting them uh keep it in the product line and have that connective tissue have that spackle have that thing that lets them say look the mac can do anything because if none of these other products works just stick a mac mini there and it lets them be cool and feel good about like we made a cool thing that look how small it is now there's a whole mac in here you can put this in schools you can put this here you can put this there like i can i can totally see that so it it fits with their attitude about this stuff if they want to go this direction and and i mean this is literally i have no information about this it's literally like i look at that intel nook and i think wow that would be a really cool mac mini and way cooler than the mac mini that has been sitting on the price list for the last three years so will they do it i don't know i feel like there's value in keeping it around but uh, they're busy with lots of stuff so i don't know it, it seems a shame as a mac fan and as somebody who would buy something like that in a moment i hope they consider doing something like that at some point in the next year today's show is also brought to you by text expander from our friends at smile you can communicate smarter with text expander it is perfect for standardizing and improving the written replies that you're sending every single day helping you to eliminate the drudgery of boilerplate text. With Text Expander, you can recall your best and most frequently used words and phrases by creating a keyboard shortcut and letting Text Expander do the work for you. For example, you can set up Text Expander snippets for your company's tagline, an address or phone number that you frequently need, or maybe even a standard introduction email for when you're contacting somebody new. So I use some of these, for example, if we're contacting a company we've never spoken to before because we think they might be a good candidate to be a sponsor, then we have an email that we sent to them. Now, I don't need to send this email every time. Effectively, it's a sales pitch, right? And all I need to do is change some of the, the entries in that email. So like the person's name, maybe the company, and then maybe just a little box so I can uh, expand upon it a little bit, personalize it a little bit more. You can set all this up with Text Expander, so even the cursor will jump around to all of the places that you need. You can use drop downs, so you can say, you know, uh, you can maybe select like the month or stuff like that. It is really awesome because it allows you to do all of these things. Text Expander can format dates, auto correct misspellings, and even search your whole team's collected knowledge with a few letters and a hotkey. Text Expander can also help you collaborate better in tools like Slack with the ability to use your snippets there. You can share links faster by creating shortcuts to your favorite websites and even help keep your company on message by sharing the collected knowledge of your entire team. If you spend any amount of your day typing, you need Text Expander. Try it for free for 30 days on the Mac, iPad, iPhone, or Windows as well. Visit TextExpander.com slash UpgradeFM. That's TextExpander.com slash UpgradeFM to start your free trial today. We'd like to thank TextExpander for their support of this show. So Jason, we spent a little bit of time discussing the low end of Apple's desktop offerings. 
So how about the low end of Apple's laptop offerings as well? So you wrote an yeah. article this week in which I guess it's a uh, it's that time of year, right, when people would be thinking about um, if they need to buy computers for their kids, what they would be what they would be buying. Because you're in the summer, right? You're in the summer in the US now. Is it break time? Is it summer break? Yep. You're deep within it, I assume. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. My my children are free and for you know what uh, two and a half months. Yeah. So, you know, this is the kind of time that you'd be thinking about some of these purchases. So you wrote uh, an article on Six Colors and you were weighing up the MacBook and the MacBook Pro as uh, whether it's right to buy for a student. You know, the MacBook, good choice because it's powerful enough for many tasks. It's small and light. But as you pointed out, which I'm just getting increasingly more concerned about with my travel over the next couple of months, it can struggle under intense load. Um Things that yeah. like like audio production, video production, little old MacBook can get a little upset about that kind of stuff. But the MacBook Pro is made for tasks like this. But it is, of course, more expensive. It's bigger. It's heavier. And I guess for you, you know, we you- overstate the heaviness of the the 13 inch MacBook Pro without Touch Bar, which is a terrible name for it. We overstate that, right? Because it's basically the same weight as the 13 inch MacBook Air. Yeah, like it's it's heavy. It's twice as heavy as the MacBook because it's two pounds instead of one, mm-hmm. but it is only fractionally heavier than the 13-inch MacBook Air. So it, yeah. it, I think we, we are none of us are served well in just saying uh, the MacBook Pro is big and heavy because by, by MacBook Air standards, by pe- previous generation Mac laptop standards, it's not. It's only in comparison to the MacBook. I think of it as big and heavy because I own a MacBook. Right? Yes. And I've been carrying a MacBook on trips. So, like, for me, it's like, well, you've got to double the weight. And it's like, well, now I've... Yes. You know, now I'm not happy again, (laughs) right? Because I'm happy with a MacBook because I don't even know it's in my bag when I'm traveling. Like, I have no idea, right? Like, if I'm putting my iPad on my MacBook, it's like, I don't even know if the MacBook's there. But whenever I used to travel with my old MacBook Pro, oh, boy, did I know about it, right? And, of course, that was much heavier than even the current MacBook Pro, but, yeah. Which reminds me of the story where where I think it was either David Pogue or Stephen Levy when the original um, MacBook Air came out that they, they lost their review unit and the best that they could figure, it got caught up with the Sunday New York Times and they just put it in the recycling and they didn't realize it, what, there was a computer in there because it was so light and that was a much heavier computer than the MacBook. So yeah, it's very light. It, it is, I mean... It's it's literally. I mean, it's hard to get. It's hard to get smaller at these scales, and yet the one computer is two pounds, and the other one is one pound. So it's a lot lighter. But right, no fan, uh, and it can struggle under load. Although the current generation, you know, you can if you want, you can upgrade it to a uh, an i five. And uh, that's a pretty powerful processor, but there is still going to be some throttling if it gets too hot. And uh, SSD helps a lot with things like video because so much of uh, video and audio editing is about input-output to storage, and it does that really well. But, you know, if you're cranking the processor, it can be an issue in a way that uh, it can't, it it isn't as much on the, on the 13 inch that's got the, got a fan and the screen is bigger. On the on the bigger uh, laptop, obviously, and that is a that is a benefit too. So you are, I think, yourself. You're kind of leaning for for your kids towards a MacBook Pro 
as an option, right? Because of video. Well, so these are not my kids. These are friends' kids. This okay. is I get asked by friends about it. I I am not currently planning on buying anything for my kids. They've got stuff, and it's fine for now. Um, my daughter might need something, and I might have to figure that out. But this is I've got friends who keep asking me about this because they've got kids going off to college, and they've got kids going into high school and things like that. And they come to me because I'm the computer person they know, right? So I get these and I thought, well, I should probably put this down somewhere because if I'm hearing from people about this, it's probably a wider issue, which it is because I've heard from a lot of people about it. And I want to say that this is an interesting, like if the premise is I want to buy them a new Mac laptop, what should I buy? This is, this is sort of my, my thought process. I want to say you don't always need to buy them a new Mac laptop. The article says this. The uh, you could look for a refurbished because Apple has good deals on refurbished models, current and previous generation models that could be perfectly fine. Pick up a refurbished MacBook from the previous generation that might be great depending on the needs of your uh, your student. Uh, you could get a used laptop. You could do a hand me down. A lot of kids get a hand me down from a parent or older sibling, and those can be all that's required. You know, and um. I also heard from people who are like, why don't you recommend an iPad? <laughs> and my reasoning there is I'm very pro iPad, but I am concerned that in lots of situations in schools, there are going to be scenarios where they need to have a computer. And I don't feel comfortable saying you don't need to have a computer. You should get an iPad. I feel like right now where the iPad is, you need to be as a person using the device really committed to doing sometimes the extra work required to get yourself over the hump. And so like if a student really wants to go with an iPad, then I would say, yes, they should do that. They need to be committed. But if you're a parent and you stick your kid off going off to college with an iPad and it turns out there's some key thing that it's totally incompatible with, um, that's bad. So yeah, that was my thought process there. So this was the piece that you laid out and kind of looking at what the pros and cons are of these two devices. But you received a bunch of feedback that you didn't talk about the MacBook Air. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's it's true. I didn't. Um, I omitted it for very particular reasons. Uh, but so then I followed it up with another piece about it. The short version about my feelings about the MacBook Air is, yes, the MacBook Air is a great deal. It is a great deal. It is the best deal among new Mac laptops because it's a lot cheaper than other new Mac laptops. And so, sure, you, sh you should consider it. You could also consider uh, a used or refurbed one of those. My concern about the MacBook Air is that it's not new. It's new, but it's not new. And I have, a, I have this problem, and I admit that some of this is just sort of um, judge, being judgmental about old hardware versus new. The MacBook Air is very capable. I have, I have a, what, three-year-old, four-year-old MacBook Air that um, I can still use. I have edited so many podcasts on that thing. I, it does almost anything, right? And that's an older one than what you'd get now. And so, yeah, it's totally capable. My hesitation is more about the fact that it's, two, it's a two generations back processor sold as a new computer because while it's perfectly capable today, I'm a little concerned that it's not going to have as much of a useful completely compatible life because in two or three or four or five years there's going to be an apple os update that doesn't support it or there's going to be a bunch of features that are added to a mac os update that is not um that it's not supported like because it's really not a new computer it's really a two-year-old computer that they're still selling as new 
whereas these other two models are new. And also today, the MacBook Air is more compatible with everything because it has USB ports, normal USB-A ports. Like, it, it has MagSafe, which is nice. It has all these things that are nice today. And if you want to live for today, it's got a lot going for it. My hesitation is, it's a brand new computer, you're making an investment in this computer, you want it to last a long time, and you're starting yourself off on the wrong foot, because in three or four years, it may be that you're going to need to buy all the dongles, or you're going to try to look for an accessory that's not compatible, because you're using old, you've got Thunderbolt 2, and you've got USB-A. And so, again, same thoughts. It's like, this is why it's cheaper at this point, is because it's older tech, it's less compatible. And then there's the the retina issue, mm-hmm. which is kids have really good eyesight, more better eyesight than old people. And they're used to watching like HD videos and all that. My daughter watches you know Netflix HD streams all the time on her laptop, which has a retina display. Um, and so that that's a question. It's like, do you are you going to have your kid if 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 your kid's got another video viewing device then it doesn't really matter i suppose but um if you do you're also giving your kid this um this non-retina display which is not awesome uh for things like watching hd video which it basically can't do so uh then again it's got the old style keyboard and if the kid prefers that those keyboards to the new keyboards that could be a bonus i'm not sure most kids are going to care about that in fact who knows these kids today maybe they like the new keyboard i don't there, know there are there are many snails running around here i'm sure you know like you know i, I don't, just tiny I don't know how snails. teenagers deal with low key travel uh we'll have to send uh we'll have to do some research on that one so you know the MacBook Air, it's still available and uh, is a probably a good deal, although I would say maybe look for a used one because it hasn't gotten that much better in the last two years. You might be able to buy one that somebody bought two or three years ago for uh, way cheaper, and yeah. it will be just as good than buying something that's cost nine ninety nine and is not really any better than the one that they were selling two years ago. Yeah, I think I, I, personally, I think it would be a mistake to buy a new MacBook Air, not a MacBook Air in general. Like if you buy from a friend, you buy from somebody you know, even if you can find a a good deal on something that's certified refurbished or, or you know in a good condition, then great. But a thousand dollars on a MacBook Air today, that feels that feels like not a good deal to me. Just because, like as you say, it's it is a good computer now. It is probably a a bad computer in three years' time because, as you say, it is. It's not even like living now. It's it's living a couple of years ago, right? Like the the features that it has, they're good for now because they were introduced years ago, and now technology is is surpassing what it was intended to 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 be for. But now, you know, the MacBook and the MacBook Pro, they're looking to the future. And so they have some some foibles. You have to take trips to Dongleton if you need to do lots of things. Yes. But soon those trips to Dongleton won't be needed. And you will... Soon the world will have moved to Dongletown. And yeah, you will we still will all, be back in Old Town. All, and you we will all live there. And then, and then the people with the old computers are going to need to take a ride to Dongletown if they're allowed to do it, right? Because mm-hmm. some things may just not be compatible. That's the risk. There, there, there is risk. I mean, we may be overstating it. It may be that USB-C kind of fizzles and it's really just a port change. Yep. Or USB-A just lives for another 15 years alongside it, right? You know? Ever, yeah. right. Apple is going to be really pushing, right, USB-C stuff, though. And so all that stuff is not, like, all of Apple's new stuff and new adapters and new 
devices or whatever like everything's going to become the iphone is going to start at some point shipping with a USB-C cable in the box probably probably this year and yeah who knows but um so this is uh it's a i don't know there's no what i'm saying is there's no one right answer here it really depends much more on i can provide information for people about this stuff but it depends more on like what's your budget what is your the need of your student um those matter more than anything else. It, all things being equal, if you're somebody like some of my friends who are like, they're going to college, we're going to buy them a computer. This is always the plan. They're going to get a new computer. I have friends who are who have twins who are both going off to college in the fall, and and the deal from the beginning has always been that part of like part of the college fund is going to go to a laptop to take with you to school. They want to do that, and a, a new laptop. It's like all right. Here are your options. But even then, I can't say, buy this one, and they want it to be a Mac. It's like, I can't say, buy this one laptop. I have to say, there are two, which is, I think, the most interesting point about where Apple is right now, is there are two that I recommend, and it really depends on which way you want to go. Do you want to go bigger screen and more power, but two pounds? Or do you want to go with smaller screen and less power, but one pound? And I feel like for most people... Unless they are planning on doing like video editing and stuff that's pretty intense. For most people, the MacBook is fine. Like the MacBook will do almost anything you can throw at it. And heck, it comes in gold. Yeah. And it you know? comes in gold. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. I have a gold one and it's amazing. I love it. It's so beautiful. Uh-huh. That is the thing about that MacBook, man. That is a beautiful computer. Like, I even I want one mic and yeah. I basically stopped using my MacBook Air. <laughs> but even I am like, oh, but that MacBook, it looks so good and it's retina. Yep. If if I do get my daughter uh, a new laptop, th- it may be just that. It may literally be because I love the MacBook so much that I want to have one in my house even if it's not mine. It's yep. possible. I, you can tell, yeah. I mean, I've done it. I've exported Final Cut videos although when yeah. i the, the day that i did export the final cut video the battery was draining faster than the macbook could be charged but we don't have to worry <laughs> about things like that i got it yeah, out in fine. the end i mean sure it was fine. it was an almost two hour video right like it was a cortex episode so you know right. it was it was really really kind of chunking on that thing but it did it i mean this is the thing like i'm nervous about Assume you know about thinking all oh, my production in August for all of my shows is going to happen on a MacBook, but I'm confident it can do it. I'm I'm just going to be waiting longer for everything. That's what's the the, the real thing is going to be. I I should say um, if you're a student, and this is something that was brought up in the chat room this week and last week. If you're a student, and or if you're a parent of a student that's going off to school somewhere, please check the requirements at your school, right? Because I've had this happen. I talked to somebody who said um, they were going to get their kid a Chromebook, but their school says it has to be a Mac or a PC, which is a big step from it has to be a PC. There are places that will say, um, we strongly prefer a Windows PC. I am going to say those people are liars because a Mac can run Windows too. And in fact... Maybe you don't want a MacBook at that point. Maybe you want the MacBook uh, 13 uh, without touch bar. But um, don't I don't necessarily believe that. I think there are a lot of IT managers who are like, oh, no, 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 Macs, they're confusing. Just buy a Dell 
laptop. Again, yeah. if your kid loves, if your kid likes the Mac, don't make them do that um, because I don't believe it. But you should check, right? You should check. And also, yeah, you know, if you've got a kid going off as a freshman to college and there's a major that says that in their major in two years they're going to require Windows or something like that, really don't worry about it because Macs, one, Macs run Windows, and two, your kid may very well change their major several times in the next two years. Don't sweat it too much. And heck, they may even break the Mac, so <laughs> you can get them a Windows PC anyway. It's entirely possible. <laughs> and like the iPad question again, like I, I think there are kids for whom taking an iPad to school with an Apple Pencil and a smart keyboard or something like that is uh, perfect. But I feel like they will still be, unless the, unless their school is like, no, we love iPads. Um, I, I would be skeptical of that. Because it's still an effort sometimes to be an iPad user in an environment like that. I mean, you you know and I know. There are still times as an iPad user trying to get work done that you're like, oh, okay, I hit a wall here. How do I work around it? Yeah. And I'm doing an iPad thing. <laughs> yeah, and if you're in an institution somewhere that's like, here's this thing, then you, you, you've hit that wall. It's, it's not that different than a few years ago when you'd be somewhere and somebody would say, here's a floppy disk. And you'd be like, yeah. Uh, my computer doesn't have those anymore. Or even CDs, right? CDs, most no, more Or recently. CDs, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. It's it's all... It, it, again, you got to know your kid and what they like to do and talk to them about it, ideally, and know where they're going and know how they use their computers and know your budget and all of those things. But, yes, I think the MacBook, if you want to buy a shiny new laptop, the MacBook is probably the, like, highest percentage chance um with us uh you know with a sidestep to the macbook escape if you want a little bit more power and are willing to trade off the weight but boy yeah in a college backpack to have that one pound macbook whew, that's good stuff today's show is also brought to you by pingdom you can start monitoring your websites and servers today at pingdom.com slash relay fm you'll get a 14 day free trial when you go there and if you enter the offer code upgrade at checkout you will get 30 percent 30 percent off your first invoice Pingdom is focused on making the web faster and more reliable for everybody who has a website whether you have just your own blog or whether you are responsible for looking after a website that has millions of people coming to it every day, Pingdom is there to help you because they will monitor the availability and performance of your server, your database or your website. And even with your website, they can monitor all of the dependencies that you use, whether you're losing contact forms and e-commerce checkouts and logins and search functionality that may be hosted in other places. They can look at all of it. They use 70 global test servers. They have these these test servers all over the world that will emulate visits to your website, checking its availability as often as every single minute. Every month, Pingdom detects around 13 million outages. Stuff breaks on the internet all the time. And when something goes wrong, Pingdom alert their customers. You give Pingdom the URL that you wish to monitor, and then you can choose to be alerted in a bunch of different ways. You can get push notifications via their app. You can get text messages. You can get emails. You can get all of them, which is quite a funny thing. I know that Stephen has all of these turned on for Relay FM, and if we ever have any problems, he always sends me a screenshot because he gets like three immediate notifications from Pingdom. Pingdom will be the first to know when your website is down, and then you'll be the second to know. So you're going to be the first person. Pingdom will be the first company because they are that good. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM and you'll get a 14-day free trial. Use the code upgrade at checkout and you'll get 
30% of your first invoice. That's pingdon.com slash RelayFM for a 14-day free trial and the code upgrade at checkout to get 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for the continued support of this show and RelayFM. Jason, it is time for Ask Upgrade. Choose your sound effect. Oh, lasers and fireworks. There we go. Lasers and fireworks. The lasers are shooting the fireworks. Oh, wow. That is that's yeah. quite a show. America. America, right? Yeah. Also, there were jet skis flying through flaming hoops, but you didn't see those because they're, they're silent. Silent jet skis? Wow. I don't know. They're far off. <laughs> All the stops the today. They have, a sil- they have a silencer on them. That's, that's what it is. Jet skis with silencers. I'm John sure wants it. to know, uh, I'm looking to buy an Apple Watch. Do I buy it next week? Or do I wait to see if it gets revised this autumn? So I think it will be revised. Right, I'll, I'll just say that. I don't know what that's going right. to be. <laughs> Interesting. But, but I do think there will be a new Apple Watch this year. Huh. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I was going to say buy it next week because I'm not convinced there will be a new Apple Watch this fall. Sorry, John. Uh, there might be. <laughs> there, there, there might be. Yeah, we're going to disagree on this one. There, but there might be. You're right. If they do, it may very well be that there's a Series 3 and then the Series 2 is also still available and the Series 3 costs more, which I think yeah. is a clever way for Apple to keep the entry point into Apple Watch low while also being able to kind of push on features um that are make the product more expensive. I think this is a device that's new enough that they can continue to revise on it and can continue to make incremental improvements like they did from Series 1 to Series 2 in so much that I wouldn't be surprised to see a Series 3 this year. I think you can make small improvements to it, as you say, while still keeping some of the line available and making those prices even more competitive. Um, with a, you know a product that maybe maybe is picking up steam, you know, and so it could be good to continue to push and push and push on it to to break through any barriers that there may be. That's why I think there'll be another one this year. Yeah, could be, could be. Um, yeah, I'm I'm on the fence about that. I'm not sure that they're going to do an every year Apple Watch mm-hmm. update, but they I hope they do. They should, right? I think they should just because this is a growing category and i know there's more they 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 want to do with this product so i think that would be great if they do that so john john i don't know um how badly do you want an apple watch and how much are you worried about i mean if they do a new one it might have maybe it'll have cellular i don't know um maybe it'll have different sensors i don't know i feel like the big next frontier for apple watch is cellular connectivity and or enough battery life that they can do sleep tracking and maybe keep the screen on um, but I don't know. Sorry, John. So it's it's happened again um, that there has been a new version of iOS 11. We've got beta 4, I think, is out now. Oh, good. Recording. Everybody update your betas, or don't, or wait and see if it's terrible. One of those. I'm, I'm looking forward to a beta update because on my small uh, iPad, so my, my 10.5, uh, it's no longer downloading apps from the App Store. Uh, this oh. just happened randomly yeah, like halfway through this cycle from three to four like it was fine but now it's just not updating or downloading anything so i'm happy for a new for a new beta personally uh just just so i can can get that functionality back uh oh asked when you guys do podcasts with guests how do you usually handle the local recording maybe for people that are non-podcasters um, well, I will recommend podcastguestguide.com, which my friend Anthony Johnston put together, which is all about 
uh, how to get people to record their own microphone because what you want to do is make a local recording if you can not one that's just sent over the internet with skype because that's really compressed and uh can be can sound bad the local recording sounds great because it's literally like you're right in the room because you are it's you're recording it yourself on your own computer and on the mac i generally have quicktime uh quicktime lets you do an audio recording so i tell people to do that on windows we generally recommend audacity which is free and lets you record your own microphone. There are now some um, services like uh, like Cast and Zencaster that let you basically have somebody go to a web link in Chrome. Although it should be wor- it should work in Safari come fall with uh, with uh, macOS Sierra and iOS 11. And uh, the web browser basically records them locally and and sends that file along as well as having the conversation happen. So there are a lot of different ways to do it, but that's definitely uh, for both of us, our preferred way of making podcasts is we use something to connect, which is generally Skype, although it doesn't have to be to have the conversation. And then everybody records their own microphones and sends the files to whoever's editing it. Yep. And I uh, recommend the podcast guest guide to people as well, because it's so beautifully put together and I don't have to deal with all the minutia because uh, exactly. he's already done it for us. Mm-hmm. Alex asked, I've just got my first iPad with multitasking, which I'm in love with. Welcome, Alex. It's quite amazing, isn't it? Can you recommend a good Bluetooth keyboard for me, Jason? Well, my recommendation is uh, if you like, especially if you like Mac laptop keyboards of the older variety, the Logitech Easy Switch K811, which I've had for a long time, it feels very much like a MacBook Air keyboard. Um and it has support for three Bluetooth inputs. So you can actually have it like you can switch on the fly from typing on your Mac to typing on your iPad. And uh, it's backlit and the battery lasts a pretty decent amount of time. And I like it. It is the Mac upgrade pick from the wire cutter as well. Uh, wire cutter's base uh, selection is the Logitech K380, which is a little bit different and has round keys, which strikes me as being very weird. But it's also uh, half the price of the uh, Easy Switch K811. So that's that's the one that I would say right now. I'm sure there is a raft of Bluetooth keyboards coming out that um, are emulating the 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 feel of the new Apple keyboards, <laughs> but uh, I don't have any of those and I'm, I'm still the logitech easy switch is the one that I, I for for ipad use i mean the magic keyboard is great too but it's it's thicker you gotta then you carry that around in in a studio neat canopy oh naturally that would work too yeah that that i've never used that keyboard that you're talking about but it looks like a good one because it allows you to do the like multiple like as like a memory right of key of bluetooth yeah. so you can uh, i think that's really cool so you're able to just like say like oh, I'm on my iPad now I'm on my Mac now I'm on my iPhone now like whatever um, especially if you live the multi-pad lifestyle even nicer mm. so that's that's a good pick there so it's the Logitech K811 easy yeah. switch easy mm-hmm. switch it's backlit too oh oh even nicer even nicer yeah. what's the battery life like if you use the backlighting it's less but it's still um it's still several days even if you use it all day Philip asked, what is the best SIM-only option for a three-week trip to the U.S.? I know that Jason uses a vending machine when he comes to London at Heathrow, but what does Mike do? So, right now, I just upgraded to one of those plans that lets you lo- use your allowances overseas normally. 
So I'm with EE, and I've upgraded to their 4G EE Max plan. So I can use my data and all that sort of stuff in in America, and it just comes out from my regular plan. I don't have to pay any extra. That's great. I'm going to give that a go and see what that's like for the trips that I have coming up. But in the past, when I have bought a SIM card, um, I always go with T-Mobile, um, because they're easy to buy from. And especially right now, I haven't bought this plan, but I know people that have, so I can recommend it. They have a specific T-Mobile tourist plan that you can buy, which is three weeks of talk, text, and data. And you can choose different amounts. So that's one. But otherwise, T-Mobile have a bunch of plans, a bunch of prepaid plans. Um, just go into their store and talk to people. Like I I have had one in the past. Um, I actually lost the SIM card um, when I lost my wallet recently, which is very sad. But I would top up like $80 and I would have completely unlimited um, data for 30 days, including tethering. So when I was traveling, that was brilliant. It was like 4G data, completely unlimited and I could tether as much as I wanted as well. So they have a bunch of different options. You can just go into a T-Mobile store in the U.S. and they're very, uh, they're very helpful. I've found, and this it's not a problem if you don't live in the U.S. to just get one of their prepaid plans. It's it's really easy. That's what I recommend. Evan asked, when Mike uses his iPad without a physical keyboard, does he prefer to type on lap, table, or a split keyboard? Jason, I'll ask you first. I, I mean, I'm sure you, you use uh, physical and software keyboards all the time. So uh, when you're not using a physical keyboard, whether a case or an extra Bluetooth keyboard, how do you type uh, on your iPad? Um, lap. You put it on your lap? Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, yep. I, 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 the split keyboard doesn't even exist on a 12.9. Um I don't know if it exists on the 10th 5. I think it does, actually. I think I tried it a couple of weeks ago. It still boggles my mind why, uh, why it's not on the, the 12 9 as well, but it's not. Um, and yeah, I just put it on my lap. That That's how I work. I, I, I never put it on a table and type because I'm going to put it on a table and type, then I'll use my smart keyboard, which is attached. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm not going to do that. So yeah, if I'm not, if you know, sometimes I'll do this if like, I'm just reading stuff like I'm just I want to see it all in full screen and I'm just holding the iPad in my hands and I want to type something out. So I'll just prop it on my lap and type something quick and then just carry on. Uh, our last question today comes from Michael. And this is this one's really confusing because my name's Michael. So I'm like, I don't I whenever every time I read it, I see Michael and then it says Jason. I'm getting confused in my brain. Uh, Jason, which Comic-Con trailer got you the most excited so there was a bunch of trailers, right? What well, there was, um, Justice League. There was Thor Ragnarok, right? What else was uh-huh. there? Uh, I don't even know. There was a lot, um, and my answer is uh, is probably Star Trek Discovery. Okay. What is Star yeah. Trek Discovery? I don't know what that it's is. The new, it's a new, new Star Trek show. It's the TV on... show. That's the name of the TV yeah. show. Okay, cool. I knew yeah. there was a TV show, but I didn't know the name of it. I wasn't sure if that maybe that was the new movie. Is there a new Star Trek movie in the works? Uh, I think they say there is, but it's far out and nothing. no details have really been announced. So it's unclear if it's going to happen. Oh, and this is a Netflix show. Yeah, uh, everywhere but the US and Canada, yes. Ah, so that's why I'm seeing a Netflix trailer. that's funny did you watch the justice league trailer i did i couldn't understand what was happening Uh, 
yeah, I don't, I don't even want to go into it. It, it, uh, what, what I amused me about the Justice League trailer is that that is a trailer cut, knowing that Wonder Woman is a hit. And so oh, they're like, can we put in? Yeah, yeah. Can we put everything in that shows Wonder Woman off in Justice League? Uh, because I'm skeptical about how much she is actually showed off in that movie. But that movie is a hit. So they're like, no, make Justice League seem like it's uh, the sequel to Wonder Woman. Let's do that. But there's some Batman in it, and there's some Cyborg in it, and there's some Flash in it. I thought the Flash was okay. Um, and there's like a hidden villain, and then there's uh, you know a hidden other thing that is very clearly. Not that secret, but I'm not going to mention it here. About, mm-hmm. Like, there's one character who doesn't show up in any of the trailers who is obviously in the movie, yeah. but uh, they can they can go along with that if they want to. That requires you to have known what happens at, in Batman versus Superman, and um, I don't want to require that of anyone, not even my worst enemies. It was interesting to me that they didn't do anything at all to say the names of the heroes. Like, you filled one in for me, Cyborg. I don't know Cyborg. Um, all I know was just a guy who looked like a robot. Like, and and the yep. trailer didn't do anything to tell me who he was. He's not a robot, though, Mike. He's a cyborg. He's part human, part machine. So this that is makes not him a cyborg. this is not robot or not. And his name is Cyborg, and he was one of the Teen Titans. But suddenly okay. he's in the Justice League. And I found it really weird that they didn't introduce that. Cal Drogo from your favorite show, Game of Thrones, uh, is Aquaman. So there's also Aquaman in it. Yeah, I know. I know about him. He, I know about him. Uh, just before we wrap up today, I want to do some end of the show follow out, Jason, because why not? The format can be whatever we want it to be on this show. And I just want to mention yeah. a new show on Relay FM called Query. Um, the hosts are Serenity Caldwell and Stephen Hackett. And it is, I guess, at its simplest, of course, the show is more than this. It's like if you enjoy Ask Upgrade, this is a much more expanded and researched version of that. So you can send in your technology questions to Ren and Stephen. And they will answer them for you. That is what Query is all about. And it comes out every week, and it's uh, it's only 30 minutes, so it's a nice show to add to your rotation. Um, so you should go check it out, relay.fm slash query. More things to go and check out. Go to sixcolors.com. Go to at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L on Twitter, and you can find Jason's work online. Uh, you can go to... Uh, Twitter, find me. I'm at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. If you want to participate in the show, we mentioned a few ways you can do that. You can suggest some uh, topics for us for for later in the month, which we would really appreciate. If there's something you want to hear Mm -hmm. us talk about, which would maybe be a a little bit of a different episode of Upgrade. And we have some some secrets planned for that episode, which we're excited about, but we have some more stuff that we want to do. Uh, You can tweet to us and let us know. Um, If you want to be involved in the show every week, you can tweet hashtag AskUpgrade for your questions that you would like us to answer at the end the show and if you have any uh, esoteric fun or kind of strange questions you can use uh, hashtag snell talk to open the show with one of those and we appreciate everybody who submits those every single week it is amazing that i continue mm. to have more than i need every week so thank you so much for continuing to do that uh, thanks to our sponsors pingdom smile and jet for supporting the show we'll be back next time most importantly thank you for listening until then say goodbye jason snell Goodbye, everybody.